I'm afraid to bring my book into my house because I feel like it's going to like do some weird freaky deaky shit. Hold on. Because you know what? Saya, I believe in, I believe in energy. This book doesn't give off a good vibe to me. It really does not. It does not give good vibe. It gives vibe that scare me. It gives vibe that hurt me. It gives vibe that ain't good. The vibe ain't good. Thank you. Hold on, I need to get some lotion for my hands because they crusty. <laughs> That's hot. Yeah, so hot. I'm just oh boy, why is your why is your lotion so goopy? Because you keep choosing the goopy one. It's not my fault. I like the scent of vanilla, and the vanilla is the goopiest one. Fair enough. It doesn't help that it's white. Ugh. We read, um, we read 91% chance. Mm. Yeah, we read chapter four because it was, like, really short. Yes. Which I, I appreciate this, actually, Tyra. I appreciate this because I don't have to, like, marathon through giant-ass chapters because, you know, it's okay to have short chapters in your books. It's okay to have that short chapter, especially if it's all information contained into one thing. Lanny. Yeah. Serum. <laughs> okay. We're back with Model Land, and it's chapter five, Smacking into Mirrors. I'll take this one because I read the previous one, but it was a short one, so I'll take this one. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Chapter five, Smacking into Mirrors. Look out for that. A few minutes later, Tucky stood in the doorway of the bedroom she shared with Miracle, spelled M-Y-R-R-A-C-L-E. I don't know how to spell it. I just spell it whatever. It probably is misspelled in the thing because I keep my book in my car because this book... Um, it just gets worse every It gets worse. Time. It gets worse with every time you read a name. <laughs> she was trying to enter the room, but a pile of leotards blocked her way, as well as a pair of toe shoes... Two pairs of jazz shoes and one stray sandal. One All sandal. in the doorway. All, All in, in the doorway. doorway. All of it there. Tall enough to block you from coming in. Pretty That's much. That's a lot of leotards. Especially, not lie. especially if Tookie's supposedly six feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. A long piece of duct tape bisected the room. Ooh. We got fancy words. Wow. Separating Tookie's side from miracles, but it, it made no difference. Miracle's mess had invaded every corner in the same way mildew grew on, t on tub tile. Dirty clothes were piled on the floor. Makeup trays and brushes and used cotton balls and, and a pair of dirty socks lay strewn about Tookie's otherwise neatly organized dresser. There was a sweat-stained leotard on Tookie's pillow. Ew! <laughs> you know for sure the crotch side is like what massively <laughs> takes up that whole area. That's hilarious. You know. Ample cupped bras that certainly didn't belong to Tookie were draped across Tookie's carefully made bed and torn out pages from Model Land magazines were scattered across the floor like leaves that had fallen from a fashion tree. <laughs> we're not going to say anything about the bras. No. No. Okay. Because that's how I live. That's true. <laughs> Tookie tossed the bras, three pairs of dance shoes, and a variety of necklaces, bracelets, and leg warmers off her bed and onto Miracle's side of the floor. 
Every evening, Tookie flung Miracle's junk to her side, and every afternoon when she came home, it had all migrated back to Tookie's side once more. Miracle literally just, like... <laughs> the thing is, she doesn't accidentally do it. She purposefully does it. How would she throw it on Tookie's side, though, if they're both at school? I guess what she does... Okay, okay, <laughs> what I imagine is that, uh... Miracle gets driven to and from school. <laughs> and Tookie's just forced to walk because apparently she's Cinderella in this yeah, case. And, uh, sense. so, like, Tookie has to leave earlier, and then Miracle, <laughs> um... She gets to, like, sleep in a little bit more because of this. So after Tookie's, like, up and out of the house, Miracle just, like, gets out of bed. And she's like, what can I do to in- inconvenience my sister today? <laughs> and then she just throws everything onto her side of the room. That's what I imagine. I think it would just be funny if you just kept it all. <laughs> just left it there. It's just like, I don't care anymore. I'm going to sleep on this dirty leotard. It stinks. It smells like sweat and ass crack. <laughs> Uh, uh, Tookie slumped down on her bed. Miracle is walking on the day of discovery with a smize, she thought once more. She wasn't sure why it bothered her so much. Everyone in her class was walking. Abigail, Sarpessa, Zarpessa. Everyone? That's everyone. That's everyone, I That's guess. That's literally everyone. There's literally only four girls, including Lizzie in her school, and everyone <laughs> else was just a guy. The image of Sarpessa and Theophilus kissing in the hall flashed in her mind. She closed her eyes and clenched her fist. If only Sarpessa hadn't come up when Tookie and Theophilus were having their moment. By the trash. Really, they weren't having a moment. No. Had Had Theophilus really spoken to her? No. No. Would she even ever get a moment like that again? Probably not. She closed her fingers around the newly defective (laughs) Took button. This piece of Theophilus flit fit perfectly in the heart of her palm. The metal pin cold against her dry skin. She gazed at, at its lacquered message. We already, we already know. You gotta <laughs> Theophilus, oh Theophilus, where art thou, Theophilus? <laughs> Tookie swoon. She closed her eyes and licked her lips. Your salted, your salted caramelized, Theophilus. Oh God. It's another Twilight moment. Remember how she would, it's like looking into Topaz and then in Fifty Shades of Grey, it was like, sh- like salty caramel or something. Remember? I do. Remember. I don't want to remember. Remember it, Saya. making a face. <laughs> remember all of it. Remember all of these horrible, horrible things. He imagined, she imagined Theophilus right in front of her, dressed like the statue of David with a fig leaf over his junk. That was just me adding that in there. I shouldn't say that. They're no. underage. But still, that's probably what she would have imagined. Yeah. She leaned toward him, her eyes closed, her lips caressing the air. Caressing. How do you caress air? She has her tongue out and everything, and it's, like, super <laughs> weird and awkward. Oh, I was right. Tongue's jumping Tongues while jumping on humongous translucent trampoline. What the fuck? What the fuck? What? Her lips caressing the air. Tongue. Hold on, this is. Am I missing a page? No. Wait, are we? Oh, maybe? What? Did I. We're caressing the air. We can call our boy to Kofilis. Oh, God. And our girl, Foodie. (laughs) They're the ship names. Tukophilus is probably my favorite, though. Tukophilus. 
Yep. Too hopeless. It kind of like has a good ring to it, but it's also stupid. Never name your child too hopeless. I'm not going to. I'm going to name it Spall. <laughs> Wasn't there a character named Spalding on the Amanda show, but it was like in that Moody's Point show oh thing God, on I the Amanda show? Remember. There was someone named Spalding, I swear. He painted his locker black. <laughs> I remember that vividly. <laughs> Um, uh, she puckered her lips, connected with a solid, cold surface. Theophilus, she thought. Oh, yes, baby, I'm so happy you're giving me my very first kiss. Ew. Mm. Ew. Mm. Ew. What are you doing? Tookie opened her eyes. She was face to face with herself. Her lips were in contact with Miracle's full-length mirror. That's embarrassing. There, on the reflected glass, was the blurry outline of her broad, puffy lips. Tookie whirled around. Miracle stood in the doorway with one hand on her hip. How did she get into the doorway? She just danced in. <laughs> I guess so. She danced in through, like, the ventilation shaft. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Miracle's eyes glimmered. Are you making in with yourself? Yes. Tookie ducked her head. Miracle pirouetted to Tookie's perfectly made bed and flopped down on the mattress. Who do you want to kiss? Tookie turned away, clamping her mouth shut. Ryan Quincy, Miracle teased. Ugh, no. Who then? It doesn't matter. Don't feel bad about not ki- not doing kissing yet. Why does that sound like something a 10-year-old would right. say, even though Miracle's 13? Miracle said in a teasing voice, It feels like a little wormy man is crawling in your mouth anyways. No, Ew. that's what happens when you, you know. That's when you French kiss. That or... That's when you shove your tongue into someone else's mouth, man. That's happened to me. Ew. That was my first kiss, Ew. actually. Ew. There was so much. I was 16! That sounds gross. It was awful. Sounds awful. But no, I was gonna say that's what happens when you suck a micro penis. Are you implying that 13-year-old Miracle has sucked micro penis? No. I haven't either, so that's just my interpretation at 27 years old. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) A wave of humiliation rushed through Tookie, who says I haven't kissed anyone. Okay, so maybe it's true, but it's written all over my face. Miracle sniffed. Come on, but it's okay. Doing kissing with yourself is better than doing no kissing at all, Dookie. (laughs) She giggled a little as she left the room, managing to drop a cardigan sweater, a tap shoe, and several gum wrappers on Tookie's side of the side as she left. Was she just all carrying that around? She was just carrying that around. It's like the pockets, like the never-ending pockets. (laughs) She just had it. She just had it all. Uh... Is this going to be an obsession throughout the book where Tookie is, like, fantasizing about her first kiss and people are just kind of, like, reminding about a whole first kiss thing? Because, like, guys, it... I feel like this is a bad message for kids because this is for young adults. And I'm just, like, I'm that person who's, like, why does it have to focus on that? Because this is apparently important. A first kiss? Yeah. Even though it's, like... As you said, it's awful. Oh, it's fucking terrible. (laughs) Every first in your life and not even every... Every first is awful. And even not every first. Like, sometimes you're just going down the road and you encounter someone and they fucking just do worse and you're like, wow. 
somehow... I mean, you did have PTSD inducing uh, sex. I had to explain that to someone. Really? What I actually meant by that. Oh my god. What like, And I had to imitate it, too. Oh my god. So I'm just, like, standing in this man's kitchen. Like... Trying to describe this, and he's like, I'm not getting it. And I'm just like standing there, like having my fucking glass of water and like doing the the fish flop, like standing up. Honestly, <laughs> why is my life like this? Oh god. I'm like, all I wanted was my fucking glass of water, man. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> now you have to explain it, and why? Again, it's like, I had this joke with my coworker. We got like seven wallets in at work, <laughs> and it was only two types. And I was just like, "Of course, there's only two types. If you give them more than two, they have a panic attack. They can't decide for themselves with more than two choices." Yes, he was just literally so appalled that someone could be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was secretly appalled because that's his finishing move. It's. It's not, and I can tell you that for a fact. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he had to switch it up after. <laughs> Maybe he was like, oh shit, she's on to me. I'm going to be personally offended if that's his next finishing move. you like, no, no. The dead fish flop. Immediately, no. You're done. <laughs> you are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm really hoping that that guy never listens to our podcast. The perpetrator of the original fish flop. <laughs> he can listen. I don't even talk to him anymore. I'm like, immediately, no. Immediately, no. <sighs> okay, then we have that weird M break, and I don't know what constitutes that, but okay. Tookie's eyes popped open. Cold, chipped tile pressed against the bottoms of her feet. Icy wind gushed around her flannel hand-me-up pajamas. She wasn't in bed. As she was supposed to be. But standing in the doorway between the kitchen and the living room. How did I get here? She couldn't remember turning the knob of the bedroom door. Walking down the stairs or padding through the hall. She then looked into the dark room in front of her and gasped. Balanced on one hand in the center of the living room. Room's tattered carpet was her father. Clad in a colorful unitard. Oh god. His waist twisted in the air. His legs were bent at an awkward angle. Angle. His muscles strained and shook. An empty bottle of tater mash, a colorless distilled beverage imported from Kremlingrad. What? I think it's alcohol. I'm guessing that too, but a tater mash just makes me think of something from Fallout. Oh, it makes me think of mashed potatoes. It's like that. It's like literally. It's that, and then there's like another thing from Fallout that sounds kind of similar to that. Kremlingrad! Kremlingrad! Lay tipped over on the floor, so he's drunk. Next to it was I'm a just, like, not sure if he's, like, dead. He's alive. He's still moving. Oh, my bad. Next to it was a faded photograph of the incredible Chris Krem Crobat, otherwise known as Christopher de la Creme. And the photo took his father still possessed both of his green eyes, and he didn't have the couch potato paunch. Took he ducked behind the wall. When she was much younger, she had assisted her father doing many of his acrobatic practices. He had even told her lovingly that he had made they they had made a good team, and she had attended many of her father's performances with the Circo del Sol Circo de Circo de Sol Troupe Cirque du Soleil. 
Is this your version Cirque of... Cirque del Sol. Cirque del Sol, but are you... Is this your version of Cirque du Soleil? That's exactly what it is. True. Before his tragic accident, you couldn't come up with something else, could you? Mm-mm. You couldn't... You couldn't... She could still remember the day in almost perfect detail, the sparkling gold cover of the programs and the plush red velvet seats, the set-your-mouth-on-fire taste of the bag of gouda and habanero-flavored popcorn and the sharp five-foot swords that pointed skyward all along the perimeter of the stage. Three tumblers juggling fire with their tongues while jumping on humongous translucent trampolines suspended over the audience had been in the first act. Next was a group of ten-year-old girls, contortionists, who had been who had backflipped into deep, hot, pink-dyed swimming pools full of crocodiles. And then the lights had dimmed, and the mysterious music filled the air. Wait, is it ironic that, like, in the two books we've read, there's been like a circus element? Oh, right. Yeah. A single spotlight shone down on Tookie's rippled-bodied father. Do not say that about your dad. Ooh. Do not. The headlining star of... I don't want to say it because this is shitty as shit. Of Circo del Sol. Took yet swelled with pride as her father looped and danced and climbed a dental floss thin wire. That is going to hurt. His feet are sliced. To so ribbons. are his hands. Everything is in ribbons. Yes. Ribbons of meat coming down from the sky. It's like... <laughs> it is like... It is like a beautiful day, and you're walking along, and suddenly you just have fl- strips of ribbon flesh coming down from the sky, and it is so beautiful, and then you open your mouth so you can try some of it. <laughs> you think it's tartar, but it's not. It's something else, and then you spit it out, and it's too late. You're already a cannibal. Mm. <laughs> God. You're just... Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Her father, the mighty Chris Grem Crobat, was going to execute a new move that evening. I can't keep saying this. I'm you gonna know, fucking every kill time. Something. Every time you say Crobat, I'm just imagining her dad as a Pokemon. Crobat. <laughs> Crobat. Crobat. <laughs> His other word that he says is kill me. <laughs> he he's a he's an abomination. I'm like, yes, the third evolution of Zubat, I know. Crobat. Yeah. Circo del Sol had built it as the first time any human had ever attempted such a feat. Mrs. de la Creme was full of pride that evening, too. However, right as Tookie's father had reached the 17th story landing on the stage, Mrs. de la Creme pulled out her mirror to add a bit of wrinkle redux to her tanned and hideously lined face. I want to look my best when the cameras all turn to me after his feet is done. Because, of course, that's going to happen. Because she's so important because her husband is the, like, top build star of this terribly named show. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so important. She murmured, but the mirror caught a beam of light that shone right into Chris Krem Grobat's eyes, momentarily blinding him. In a panic, he lost his footing and fell seven stories. Wow! Most acrobats would have had extensive injuries or even died, but not Tookie's nimble father. 
He tucked his body and landed smoothly on his upper back, (laughs) hurling himself forward into a smooth tumble. The audience erupted into cheers. Chris Grimm Crobat then arched upward and st- to stand from his back bound and wait, back bend and face his adoring, applauding, whistling, screaming fans. <clears throat> ever the devoted, ever the devoted showman, he thrust himself forward into a deep bow and barely his eye on one of the five-foot swords at the perimeter How of the you stage. That? He's so full of himself that he forgot about it. He's so full of himself that he stabbed his eye out. That's fucking meta. I love how they try to blame Tookie's mom, but then it's like, no, he he did it to himself, basically. Tookie had wrestled past the security barricade and run... Wow, she managed to do that? Yeah. <laughs> At such a young age. Into the stage, pools of her father's blood splattered the stage floor along with pieces of flesh. Wha- what? Excuse me? Wouldn't the wouldn't it just be in his eye? Well, it said it impaled him, so that means it went through. It went into his eye. But there wouldn't be, like, pieces of flesh unless... I know, that's why I said if there are, it went through. It doesn't say anything about going through his skull. Just Where says... else are you going to get flesh? I think she's over-dramatizing it. I don't think she thought this clearly. Because if you're going to say... The flesh is really from the ten-year-olds that were in the crocodile pool. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And same with the all the blood. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. This is a complete cover-up for the ten-year-olds dying in the pool of crocodiles. But if the swords are five feet tall, that would have had to go pretty deep. Yeah, and if he... Deep bat, mm, that would have gone. Mm, that would have gone deep into his head. That would have caused brain damage too. He would probably be dead. But he's not. But they didn't think of this. No. The thing is, I'm spending my disbelief because this world is already so wacky. That's fair. That's the difference between um the whole stunt with uh the stunt with uh Zaid jumping fifty feet. Yeah. And in then the water. this. It's already zany enough where I'm like, we have fucking weird things called smies coming out of water faucets and we have buildings belching green weird dust. And we have like teenagers randomly farting out cardigan sweaters and tap shoes and bum wrappers. (laughs) I think I'm okay with this. Yeah. Again, this is like, the difference is it's like, we're already aware that this is a weird ass world. Like this isn't this isn't this isn't the normal world. This isn't that. Everything else is it doesn't matter. This is weird. I'm gonna be really mad if Nate just Snapchat me a pic of his socks. <laughs> God. I'm gonna be mad. Don't talk to me, I'm angry. Ooh. What? I don't know where he's going. Oh. I thought I think. Um, and there, staring up at her, was her father's eye! How did the eye get out? Again! Did he, like, pull, like, did... I think he did. Did, like, when he impaled his eye, did he just, like, pull backwards? Wouldn't the eye still be on the... The sword? Yes. Yeah, but that means... That means it wouldn't have gone far into his head. I think they used impale... Again, it's over-dramatizing it. 
I think they used the word impale, but his eye is the only thing that was impaled, not the rest of his head. I know, but you'd also have to go deep enough to get the eye to come out and not just, you know, stab your eye. I think it kind of did that, is what it's sounding like. Because... It just scooped out the eye, nothing else. Yeah. And it wouldn't be flesh, it would be parts of his brain if we're going that far. It would be parts of his brain and the connecting pieces of your eyeball. But yeah, the eye is just there on the sword. No, it's not even on the sword, it's on the floor. It's on the floor. Disembodied, lifeless on the stage floor, gazing at Tookie accusingly as if asking... (laughs) Why? Why is it accusing her? How does a fucking non-sentient eyeball accuse you of anything? Her dad just must have rusting bitch eyes. I guess so. Tookie's dad, rusting bitch eye. As if if asking why. In the days that followed, Tookie was afraid of a father... Afraid her father would die. But when they'd gotten word that the blade had caused no brain or nerve damage, she rejoiced, which angered her mother. Don't you see, she cried in Tookie's face. This is the end for him. He only... He, he only has one eye. He's damaged, defective, done. Wait, way to say that about your husband being disabled. Also, in a world as crazy as this, couldn't he just get a fucking eye replacement? Or like a robotic eye? Yeah. Or like something? Her mother had then calmed down and held Tookie's shoulders. It was a freak accident, okay? You and I do not have any idea where that beam of light came from that made him fall. Tookie had been only eight years old, but she'd fully understood what her mother was telling her. Forget what happened. Tell no one. I don't think the beam of light really caused the eye thing. He he fell, but he survived the fall. It's just the eye. Yeah, he was just being a dramatic bitch. Yep. And wasn't aware of his surroundings, which he should have. I mean, I get it. Like, if the fall kind of misplaced him in terms of, like, where he landed. Yeah. I could see that. What even was the stunt originally supposed to be? I think him just jumping. Oh. I think that was So it, it so it was the it was the trick. That was the trick. <laughs> that was the trick. That's it, folks. The show's done. You just watched a dude jump seven stories and live. Well he fell seven stories, but then added some razzle dazzle to it. Razzle dazzle <laughs> coming in the form of congealed blood and eyeballs. <laughs> That accused everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brings new meaning to the term smize, doesn't it? Oh my god. <laughs> he can never but I'm sh- sh- he can never smile with his eyes again. No. Nope. Tookie let out a loud sniff, caught up in the memory. Mr. Delacreme's head shot up. His good eye squinted into the dark. Who's there? Tookie bit down on her bottom lip and didn't move. I said who's there? Tookie slowly padded into the hall and showed her face. Mr. Delacreme ran over to the couch, tore open the packaging of a new chenille blanket. Is it supposed to be like Chanel? I think so. Isn't chenille a type of fabric? Maybe. Maybe it is. I don't know. It probably is if you say that. And quickly covered himself with it. What the? I'm sorry, Daddy, Tookie said. I was sleepwalking again. You scared the hell out of me, girl, he slid. Tookie backed away slowly. She pointed at the photo on the floor. You're doing your old routines. You're still really good. Mr. Delacreme harumped. In some quadrants, spying on people is punishable by death. 
<laughs> wow. You're a bitch, Mr. Delacreme. Right? But he ducked his head. Tookie saw a tiny smile flash across his face. You want me to spot you? Tookie asked. Mr. Delacreme considered the offer for a long moment. Like when you were a wee little thing. Tookie grinned. This was the first time since the tragic accident he agreed to let her help him. Mr. Delacreme got on his hands and knees once more and spread his palms wide. Ew. All I need you to do is watch for two things. One, if it looks like I'm going to fall, you gotta warn me before I do. So I can right myself. Two, watch out for that mean mother of yours. Others understood. Absolutely, Daddy, Tookie said. She watched as her father pressed into the handstand again. The veins in his arms bulging, his paunch shaking, sweat pouring down his face. Tookie stared at her father's flabby stomach and glass eye. Her mother obviously loved him less, or had fallen out of love completely, now that he was defective. Shut the fuck up, Mrs. Delacreme. Mrs. Delacreme's a fucking bitch. They're all fucking bitches, That's in a way. That's fair. That's fair. She's the ultimate one, though. She's the ultimate bitch in this house. She's the boss bitch, basically. It goes, like, first you have to fight Miracle. No, first you have to fight Mr. Delacreme, and he's the one who just, like, kind of, like, falls. Like, he kind of softens up, and he's like, okay, you may pass. And then you have to fight Miracle. Yeah. And then you fight Mrs. Delacreme. And then you fight Bellissima, because I'm pretty sure that's where the ultimate bitch power comes from. Oh, potentially. We don't know where the doll came from, or why it fits in with anything. Um, In a way, it only made Tookie connect with her father more. There were two defectives in a world that was obsessed with perfection. How is she defective again? It's because she's six feet tall, has two mismatched eyes. Has a gigantic ass forehead. She's she's Mary McCheese. (laughs) God damn it, I forgot I said that. Suddenly her father let out a groan and tipped over. Tookie jumped out of the way to avoid his heavy falling legs. Which nicked the coffee table. What the hell, girl, he roared. His face had flushed as red as a spit-polished apple, and his hair was streaked with sweat. Why weren't you paying attention? Why didn't you tell me I was out of position? I'm sorry, Tucky cried, instantly regretting her daydreaming. I promise I won't. it won't happen again. Her father stared at her for a moment, carefully examining her. A startled, disgusted expression flashed across his face, as if a light had flipped on inside his head. It was to... It was a look Tookie had seen before, but one he never explained. Just go for all of us, he said, waving her away. Tookie's feeling of being needed was replaced by an emptiness that now burned deep inside her. She resisted the urge to plead with her father and instead turned away and went back to bed. Oh my god, the name of this book. Okay, (laughs) okay, okay, we're going on to the next chapter. What did you, what did you think of that? That was pretty short. Did you want to put two of them together again? Let's just put these two together then, I guess. Yeah. Now, some of these are actually pretty short, which is, again, like, kind of a relief. Yeah. It's not taking us nine years to read one. Yeah, the thing is, like, there's so much shit going on, and it's just like, we'll probably get to some of the ranting later on when more things come forward, but it's like, this isn't awful, but it's still not great. <laughs> All right, is this is this for me? Yeah, do you want me to pronounce the thing just because it's super... No, I, I think I got it. Okay, chapter six, Aya, what's it called? Stunning, statuesque, 
Dramatronic stars with stupefying stratospheric struts. Stunning statuesque Strabotronic stars with... I can't even say it. Try saying that ten times faster. I don't want to. No one will. Now it's time to dish about Ladarno, darlings. The most desirable squadrant... Quadrant? Don't know how I saw an S there. In all of Metopia. Sunny skies. Pleasant 78 degree temperatures at all times. That sounds gross. Except on the beaches. Where it's a wonderful 85. That still sounds gross. Warm, sweet smelling seawater. Low humidity without a cloud for miles. And when you breathe in, you inhale only fresh, crisp, unpolluted air. Wait, so everything's not, there's no humidity, so it's all just dry heat? Yeah. Ugh! That's terrible. This sounds terrible. You want to live in this place, right? Not really. You and the rest of the world, darling. I don't... (laughs) Tyra must live in either California or Miami to think that this is perfect weather when I'm just like, no, fuck this shit. Right. See, bliss comes with a price in Ladorno. Only the richest and most successful Mutopians get to live there. But how do you qualify to reside in Ladorno? Well, the Quadrants Council... Gotta suck some major D. The Quadrants Council puts you through a series of privacy-invading tests to prove your worth. Sounds like every homeowner's association Sounds ever. like that, and you have to suck some major dick. Yeah. Oh, they'll scour your bank accounts, examining every purchase. They'll interview your friends, your family, your employer, even the gentleman at the newspaper stand from whom you buy your Money and Metopian magazine every week. So literally just every HOA. Yeah. They'll visit your house and check the labels on all your belongings. If they discover a knockoff handbag, stamp, a big red denied on your Ladorno residency application. If they notice that your prize Pekingese doesn't have the perfect pedigree, stamp, denied. Hey, don't judge my Pekingese. Yeah. He didn't do anything. She's fine the way she is, or he's fine the way he is. My Pekingese is fine the way they are. One thing to know, though, is that there is a sect of people that does not have to be subjected to Ladorno's sadistic entrance challenges. Is it the Intoxabellas? Oh, probably. In order to be allowed to live within the Quadrant's guarded gates. And who might they be? I'm sure you've guessed it by now, but let me clue you in. And the names of these sacred souls begin with I and end with Ella. I was right. Yep. And guess what? We're about to sneak a peek of, at a few of them. S- seven, the number seven with the word seven after it, of them to be exact. Oh, fun. The following morning, Tookie slumped in the back of the family car. It's an old, like, it's like one of those old station wagons that's, like, big and beefy. <laughs> its name is Betty. As her mother pulled into a space at the Sapphire Esplanade. The bumper is like slightly um, tilted. It's dragging along the street and it's creating well, they're, sparks. They're in Ladorno, so. That's what's happening with the car. Oh. Ladorno's premier mall. As she walked to the entrance with her mother and sister, Toki was sure everyone was staring at the unusual De La Creme trio. 
One of them was a stunning blonde girl who was so beautiful it was difficult to look at her for too long. Another was a woman with tan skin, nubile body, but the face of a pretty monster. What? I don't even want to comment on that because I, I just can't oh, wait, find this the word. Is, this is her describing yeah. them. And the third was a gangly girl with gargantuan hair and googly mismatched eyes. Yeah, she's just literally Mayor McCheese. Yep. Tookie often noticed how people stared at them, perhaps wondering whether they could possibly be related. See, that's how I feel with, like, the most... If you see, like, me and the rest of my family all together, <laughs> you'd, you, you wouldn't think we're all related. You and Lowell look similar. Me and Lowell are similar, but what I'm talking about is my cousins. Oh, fair enough. When you see me and my cousins, it's like you don't you don't think we're related. It was as if when her parents' DNA replicated at conception, all the subpar defective strands had fused together to make Tookie. Honestly, fucking same. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's how DNA does work, kind of. The Esplanade contained very high, medium... And low fashion store imaginable. That means both her parents had, like, you know, like the, sup- like the suppressive gene yeah, of, like, heterochromia. Yeah, sure fucking did. All their suppressive genes went into Tookie. As well as a butterfly sanctuary and an entire wing dedicated to beauty products. Today was brimming with shoppers, many of them dressed in T-Dod-themed gear. T-Dod posters covered every available surface. An enormous screen on an exterior wall showed days of discovery from years past with thousands of girls walking frantically in Ladorno Square. Okay. Come on, Mrs. De La Creme said, dragging Miracle and Tookie through a set of automatic doors. Tookie inhaled deeply. One of her favorite parts of the Esplanade was the smell. A jumble of parfums... An eau de toilette. Eau de toilette? Yeah. Does cologne. That, why does that just sound like toilet? Because, yeah, I know. Does cologne. So, cologne just smells like toilet? Yes. So, that's all I can really get out from that, ma'am. Fountain chlorine and a variety of ethnic cuisines from the 106 restaurants scattered among the stores. Jeez, that place must be hemorrhaging funds from the mall. Right? If she had her way, she'd sample barbecue sauces from the food court while her mother and Miracle haggled over the perfect T-Dod dress. Just the barbecue sauce. Just the barbecue sauces, nothing else. I mean, yeah, there's, like, different sauces from different things, but literally, At like, least put it on something. Just, don't just drink the barbecue sauce straight up, Tookie, please. Took. 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 T-Dod pandemonium assaulted them immediately. Hundreds of mothers and daughters pawed frantically. So it's like Black Friday. Yeah. Through the mall, their foreheads beaded with sweat, the bags heavy under their eyes and on their arms. So basically just any day at the mall. Oh yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like, every time I go to the mall, I'm just like, I'm sweating my ass off. It is hot. It is sweaty up in this beach. These lower floors of the mall near the main entrance consist of bargain basement seconds and clearance outlets. Hey. Do not judge. Don't judge it. It's, you can find a really good deal sometimes. You can find some really good shit. Like, okay, so you know how 
I am not going to say the name. You know how the store that you used to work at that I still work at had like the designer brands sometimes or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, now all of that stuff's on clearance, and there's this one bag that used to be like fifteen bucks. It's now nine dollars. Or uh, where I used to work at Burlington, we were a, an outlet clearance, so we would get stuff like Nike yeah. and sell it for like cheap. Twelve ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. You can find like brand names on clearance at these places. It's not like knockoff shit, man. No. Mrs. De La Creme pulled Miracle and Tookie up six escalators, past the mid-fashion floors to the top level, straight to the Jerk flagship store, which carried couture frocks designed by Jeremy Jerk. The most spelled G U R K. Yes, the most lauded clothing artiste in the world. He refused. <laughs> I'm choking on my air. He refused to design any apparel but dresses. There are some people like that. That's fair. Yeah, that's fine. The store was packed to the gills. Everyone spoke at once, their high-pitched voices mixing in the air and sounding like a squawking flock of wild geese. The only thing that bugs me, like, this is a couture store, right? Yeah. Couture is usually, like, couture because it's, like, handmade and it comes from the couture region of France. Yeah. So it's not technically couture. No. No. Especially if all the dresses, if there are, like, multiple dresses that are the same thing, it's manufactured, it's not couture. Thanks, Maya. It can be avant-garde. Yeah. If you want to go that route, because I was picturing avant-garde more than couture when it came to this, but, like, it's not couture if it's not handmade. Dresses lay helter-skelter over the racks, on the counters, and on every inch of floor space that sounds like retail. The thing is, though, if especially if this is supposed to be, like, a high-end store, it wouldn't be like this. No. This, okay, this is the weird thing where my suspension of disbelief is, like, slowly sinking, because, like, you're trying to sell me this high-end store, and all I'm getting is a Nordstrom rack. (laughs) Right? Yeah. The fitting room, when you go in there after the people with, like, three carts tried on their stuff. That's what that reminds me of. Uh, I don't want to think about that. Right? That's haunting. We're having to... it's like I think of that. It's like, uh, you know how many people like who shoplift? They like always have like a giant cartload yep. of shit. Yep. And then like they always want to try on all of it, and then you have to say like you can only take in this many, even though you don't have a limit at the store. They don't have a limit at the fitting rooms right now, which I'm like, this is a bad idea. And yeah, that's just me going with that. Uh. Feather dresses, sequin dresses, tiered, bustled, and ruffled dresses. Dresses with sweetheart necklines, dresses with one shoulder. Off the shoulder, strapless and open back dresses. Halters, A-line, and asymmetrical dresses. Sundresses and cocktail dresses. Are we going to name every dress? Prom dresses, ombres, metallics. Okay, a prom dress doesn't... Some things can be labeled as a prom dress, but it's not always a prom dress. No. Yep. A few girls ran around the department with three dresses on their bodies at the same time. What the fuck? For fear their final pick would get snagged by someone else. 
This is the perfect one, one girl shrieked, holding a pale lavender frock in her hands. Isn't a frock, like... A frock is more of, like, an apron? No, like, ah, uh, I have to look it up. No, like, there are, like, frocks are, there's so many different things. There's, like, oh, uh, boy. I know a frock is a, it's, it is technically a term for a dress, but hold on. Uh, it's a woman or girl's dress. Yeah. Okay. It's basically just another word for dress. Sure. I was trying, I was, I think I was thinking petticoat. Cause that's like an under, yeah, the petticoat is like the underskirt for it. Bloomers is like underneath the thing. What's a pinafore? A pinafore is an apron. There we go. Thank you. It's like a specific type of apron. It's like the one where it like has the shoulders. Oh, I got you. Yeah. The girl's mother pushed a roused red dress into her hands. Look, Janith, I know what's best for you. Janith. For the day of discovery of Janith. I'm going to wait for how long it took you to realize what I just said. Janith. <laughs> Janith. Yep. Janith. It's like Eve, but with, with extra steps. <laughs> Janith. I was Miss Metopia 26 years ago. Hello, I know fashion. Okay. <laughs> that means that the fashion cycle has changed within those 26 years, madam. Yeah, it changes, like, I don't know, every fucking day at this point. It changes every season. Yeah. It's like, like, different colors come in for each new season. Different styles can be kind of relevant for, like, the year... Definitely, it's been a lot of kind of 90s slash later 80s kind of recycling going on. Kind of early aughts as well. Mm-hmm. It's basically that stretch of time that's been being recycled this year. Amid all the noise and the tussling, Toki felt a pang of longing. Normal mothers, so normal, helping their single color-eyed daughters. Oh, shut the fuck up! Toki thirsted for a drink of it. She's thirsting for a drink of Theophilus. I mean, yeah. I mean, she she did think of him and kissed yeah. the mirror, and she also thought of him in her dreams and yeah. the fig leaf, but not really, because mm. that's just me adding that in there, and I really shouldn't, but I am. Mrs. De La Creme and Miracle pawed through the dresses clearly With their literal the paws. Hunt. Yes. They grew literal paws. Yes, because that's what they can do. Miracle pulled out a short green fringed frock. Two flapper, Mrs. De La Creme deemed. Do they have to keep saying frock? I think so. Like, the, the word frock has been said multiple times. <laughs> I, I don't even think it's a word anymore. But yeah, no, it's like, wait, two flapper, so that means it's like... It's like fringy and layered. Well, that also means it has like the whole drop skirt thing. You know, yeah. it has like the more boxy shape and it's the drop skirt. Yeah, Miss, uh, wrinkling her nose. Next, Miracle held out a crushed velvet dress with black sequins and a tuxedo-like white front with ruby buttons dotted down the center. Ew. That's, that's a horrible description. Yeah, that's, that's a really bad dress. Mrs. De La Creme shook her head. Are these dresses for the day of discovery or the cabaret? Hey, don't knock the cabaret. And yeah, they don't, don't wear the cabaret. They don't wear dresses in a cabaret. They don't. They don't. I have to explain to Mrs. De La Creme what a cabaret is. Do I have to take her to cabaret? 
What kind of dress are you looking for? Chucky ventured, trying to be helpful. The rack let out an ear-splitting screech as Mrs. De La Creme threw a score of hangers on the floor. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Every retailer's I am so triggered right now. (laughs) Same. Something very specific. I'll know it when I see it. Miracle must wear an original, and it must not clash with the Smize. So, the Smize is, like, basically piss-colored yellow. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna look for something that doesn't clash with it, you're gonna want to look for something either in the same realm of being yellow, or you're gonna be looking for something in a black. If you want to kind of go with the vibe, I mean... If you want to go for something that kind of fits in with the whole warm colors, you could go for, like, oranges and reds. Maroon. That. Go-to. That's usually my go-to. Yeah, but it's, like, if you want to go for something that's really outstanding, you could try and go for, like, a tropical vibe, which is why I'm thinking of, like, brighter oranges and then just kind of, like, the kind of more vibrant reds, that sort of thing. But that might seem too kitschy, almost, depending on what they find. I don't know. That's just me thinking. What about pants? Tookie suggested. Now that would be original. Pants? Mrs. De La Creme stared at her in horror. Pants are not majestic. Well, if you had an awesome pair of, like, fit flare, like, if you had some, like, pants that were kind of, like, fit at the top and then they kind of flared out at the bottom, not necessarily, like, the bell-bottom pants, but I just kind of like, yeah. And if you had like a tailored top and kind of yeah. went with that like men's like the menswear type look and kind of did that, that would be an original thing versus just having a dress. And if you had the smize on too, it'd be kind of like the masqueradish type look. Yeah, it'd be very cool. You then also- Mrs. De La Creme's gaze clapped on something across the store. There, she said, moving toward a nude-colored strapless gown with tons of tulle. No. Disgusting. No. She pulled it off the rack. Though it had a jerk label on it, there was another label that said vintage. Tookie knew Mrs. De La Creme would drop it immediately. A vintage dress was as bad as a ripe banana, an object way past its expiration date. That, that is what vintage is. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for defining vintage. You know, <laughs> something vintage would actually be kind of cool. It would. But instead, she pressed the dress to Miracle's body. Yes, Miracle, this is it. I can feel it in my gut. No. But it's not going to go with the smile. It's not. Nude and yellow, I don't. That sounds horrid. It sounds horrid, and it sounds like it's either going to blend in too much, or it's just going to be... It's not going to complement each other, let's just say that. After Mrs. De La Creme had paid for the dress, they left the Esplanade and exited onto a street teeming with vendors hawking Day of Discovery souvenirs. One cart was dedicated to t-shirts, hats, and a variety of trinkets, bearing the Where the Hell is C. Lee slogan. Silly, silly. <laughs> okay, th- th- this is a weird moment where I kind of wish that we talked more about the clothing. <laughs> you know, just kind of like, oh, what? Like, I kind of wish there was. This is where I wish we had the fashion montage of like different clothes that Miracle tried on. You know, just cause it kind of could have been fun, and I could have keep talking about it. But now, um, yeah, it's no, it's not. 
I think the whole point of it is like, oh, Mrs. Delacreme chose a really bad choice for the outfit. Oh, yeah. That's the point. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. That's the point. Uh, Toki had seen on the sidewalks on her walk home. Toki paused, staring longingly at the Intoxabella's face on the cheap t-shirt, beguiled by her hypnotizing matching green eyes. CL was the only Intoxabella in history to grace the cover of Model Land magazine. Excuse me. Twelve times in a row. Every month for an entire year. There were six top cosmetic brands in the world, and CL had had contracts with all of them, simultaneously. One season, all of, all of the designers during Ladorno Fashion Week had decided to have CL be their only modeled model. CL starred solo. Okay, you know the other thing that I was thinking of? Harley Quinn's, like... Bl- Black Mass Club outfit. Oh, yeah, I can see that. That could be cool, especially with, like, the long coat. That would be a cool one. CL starred solo on 82 runways that season. Whoa. So where had she gone? Up your ass. Oh, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) The shady vendor-eyed Tookie. Hey there, funny-looking girl. Wanna buy a piece of CL? He's a cannibal. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, Tookie turned away nervously. Then she noticed someone familiar sitting on a bench only a few feet away from the mall's entrance. Now, guys, is it going to be someone that we know already? Or is it going to be another new character that they bring out? Honestly, I feel like this is a new character. Let's find out. A man she'd seen on her walks home from school. He had broad, football player shoulders, but today he was so drooped over that his body made a shrimp shape on the bench. So fetal position. Yes. His skin was faintly wrinkled and his root beer brown eyes looked sad. He mumbled softly to himself, but... Oh, he mumbled softly to himself, just like he always did, and held on to the laces of his enormous battered wingtip shoe... Slung over his shoulder. There should be something in there that should not... That sounds weird. It does. That shoe was why Tookie had given him a secret nickname. Wingtip. So original. That's so weird. <laughs> Wingtip's head shot up. His eyes met hers for a brief second, suddenly clearing. Tookie froze. She wasn't used to being seen. Oh my god, shut the fuck up. Shut up. A disgusted snort sounded to her right. Ugh, what riffraff they allow into Lodardo. Mrs. De La Creme scoffed, sneering at Wingtip. It's not like it's some sort of ultra-secret, super-duper club. It's a business. He can go in there if he's not, like, loitering around or asking for change. Yeah. Miss, uh, she pinched Tookie's arm. What have I told you about making eye contact with the Dementant? Turn away, he's dangerous. So are you, Mrs. Delacrem. Mrs. Delacrem, honestly, like, you can go fuck yourself after that one. Mrs. Delacrem is Joan Crawford. Yes. Tookie shrugged. Wingtip didn't seem so dangerous to her, though the fact that he spoke to himself did frighten her a bit. Lizzie spoke to herself, too, but only during her episodes, the moments when she went far, far away to a scary place in her mind that Tookie couldn't enter. 
Why do you always go where I cannot follow? <laughs> she snuck a glance back at Wingtip, at his threadbare suit, his crusty clogs. Oh, oh. That was a terrible... His sad smile and the single shoe slung over his shoulder. He was still looking at her, too. You all right? he asked. Took his jaw dropped. Now he was speaking to her? Why am I picturing some sort of Boo Radley looking fellow? Right? But before she could say anything, a boom sounded, echoing off the tall buildings. A brisk wind stirred, whipping Tookie's hair into super expando mode and fluttering her skirt. Oh my god, did a bomb go off? I think so. Oh my god. Tookie peered into the sky. It had suddenly darkened as if a storm was coming. Oh my god, the gods are angry! Zeus is horny! The clouds weren't black, though. They were golden! Zeus is definitely horny right now! <laughs> All women, please get down to the shelter! No one get pregnant! <sighs> oh my god, Tookie whispered. Golden clouds can mean only one thing. Zeus is horny. Yes. Everyone turned and gaped at the mountain in the center of town. There's a mountain in the center of the town? Um, I think that's where Model Land is. Oh. But also Mount Olympus, because Zeus fair is horny. Yes, fair enough. All at once, huge waves of the mountain's golden fog began to vanish, and beams of gold light that transformed to golden shadows cascaded down the ridge and swept over every street. Uh, he's trying to do it again with the golden shit! Ew. <laughs> the golden shit? Not literally the shit. He had, <laughs> he had a golden shower before and got someone pregnant with Perseus. Damn it. Tookie heard a soft, alluring giggle in her ear. No giggle is alluring. No. She felt a swipe of satin brush up against her arm. The smell of blood oranges filled the air. Why? Is she having a stroke? I think so, man. <laughs> I think so. It's happening, a woman yelled, rushing out of the mall. The shadows, cried a man who had been washing windows on a high platform. He literally jumped off to join the fun. He did. Somehow surviving the seven-story drop, like Chris <laughs> Krem Crobat. The fog on the mountain had completely evaporated, revealing the top of the mountain, which glowed like a metropolis at dusk. Hovering above the mountain was an illuminated eye with its smize flourishes. Oh my god, it's Sauron! <laughs> made up of millions of birds. From a myriad of species. Sauron, no, quit looking at me. I am not done taking my shower. <laughs> Tookie had seen the phenomenon before, but never this close. A sleek yet enormous hand of smoke looped around the entire mountaintop and proceeded to spell a word with its white plumes of smoke. Model land. M-O-D-E-L-L-A-N-D. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone spilled out onto the sidewalk to watch the spectacle. Cars stopped in the middle of the street, the drivers gawking out their sunroofs. Pretty sure there was a car crash, but no one cared. They just got out of the car. Someone was bleeding profusely from yeah. their head, but they didn't care. <laughs> no, <laughs> Monoland is out. Monoland, we can see it! <laughs> An elevated train halted in its tracks. All the passengers stared out the windows, their mouths open. Once again, someone climbed out and jumped. <laughs> 
but not dying because they survived. I see. I have your attention. Boomed a familiar. What the fuck is that word? Gaudian? Gaudian, a set accented voice. What the fuck is Gaudian? I know it's supposed to be like a language or a place in this world, but we don't know what that is. It seemed to be coming from the sky itself. It's Zeus! <laughs> it seemed to be coming from the sky itself. Lightning bolts shot out from letter cloud to letter cloud, turning them from white to red, from white to red to blue to green to yellow. I'm going to keep yelling. It's Zeus. It really is. Look. This is the Belladonna speaking. The voice continued. Wouldn't they know? I don't know. Everyone oohed and awed. The Belladonna was the grand dame of the land on the mountain and the final decision maker about all candidates. The day of discovery is less than one set sunset away, the Belladonna went on. And so the time has come to present you this year's newly minted seven, number seven with the word seven, this is a glimpse of what your future might be if you are so lucky, if you are so divine, if you're the one of the most special girls in the world. Each and every girl on the planet has a chance to be one of the enlightened. Could it be you? Yes, Miracle screamed, jumping up and down in the parking lot. Clouds swirled in the sky, lightning bolts danced and snapped. In a moment, you will lay your eyes upon this year's graduating class of Model Land, the grand voice explained. As you all know, only seven girls graduate from Model Land each year, and those talented seven join the ranks of the only famous people known throughout the world, the Intoxabellas. Intoxabellas. The words sent an uncomfortable shiver up Tookie's spine. They were so dazzling, so enchanting, so beautiful, so influential and magical. And they were simply, well, intoxicating. The voice grew louder and louder. Without further ado, I present the stunning, statuesque, strobotronic stars with stupefying stratospheric struts. The seven. Please worship them as the intoxibellas they have now become. A swirl of smoke and... Blue fire swept around the bottom of the mountain and spiraled to the top. As it traveled, the swirl revealed a translucent three-dimensional image of a copper-haired girl with copper-colored eyes. Around her waist flapped the centura, the belt made of shimmering gold fabric that all the Intoxabellas wore. According to Model Land lore. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we get this explanation of what a fucking Centaura is. According to modeling lore, Centauras allowed Intoxabellas to activate their inherent power. Young girls all over the world wore replicas of them as part of costumes and dress-up games. Even Tookie had when she was ten years old. Feast your eyes upon Evangelinda! Evangelinda! The Belladonna said over the cheering crowd, the image of Evangelinda expanded from a fire from the fiery bottom of the mountain to the misty top. The luminescent eye hovered above her head like a golden crown. God fucking damn it, Sauron, get out of here. Evangelinda's power Chameleon Chameleon yeah, yeah, yeah. The Belladonna explained. Basically chameleon. 
And then Evangelinda's appearance changed a dozen times over the course of a few seconds. Long hair, short hair, copper-colored blonde brunette, almond-shaped eyes, then doe-eyed, plump lips, bow-shaped. Her physique morphed, too, from a thin frame kissed by an hourglass to one with defined musculature. Then Evangelinda shook like a dog, removing water from its coat, and her copper hair and eyes returned as did her original frame. So she basically has a... She, she's a fucking shapeshifter. She's a shape... She's a skinwalker. <laughs> if I had her, I'd have a different girl every night. A man next to Tookie cried, I could stop cheating. I could stop cheating. Yeah, because that's how that works. <laughs> that's... Clearly how that works. That's embarrassing. That's so embarrassing. Just admitting in front of a whole crowd of people that you cheat. Everyone instantaneously turned to look at him and they just started booing. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> Everyone's attention turned away from the Intoxabellas for a moment as they just booed this random guy for admitting that he cheats. I want to be just like all of her, a girl exclaimed. The Belladonna's voice filled the air again. Next! Meet Simone. The image of Evangelinda shrank in the swirl of smoke and blue fire climbed up the mountain again, revealing another newly minted Intoxabella. That's so weird. Newly minted. It's like they manufacture it's like a coin. Them. They co they make them out of metals and they're coins, I guess. This girl's hair was slicked into a chic chignon, and her eyes were a piercing ink black. Simone's power? Multiplicity. She can multiply really well. She doesn't need the, she doesn't <laughs> need the at, really she, good at her times table. Yeah, she doesn't even need to look at the times table. She just knows it off the top of her head, doesn't need a calculator or anything. She can do it like Simone raised her arms and swept them gracefully through the air. Two identical Simones slid out from either side of her body, sending a chorus of oohs through the crowd. Each Simone made a unique pose before being sucked back into the original Simone. Cool. The spectators applauded thunderously, overcome with excitement. Tears of joy rolled down some of their cheeks. <laughs> oh my god. Tookie felt a shiver. This was the first time she had ever seen the Intoxabella ceremony in person. And it was even more magical than she'd ever imagined. Our third Intoxabella, Bev Joe. I done, I done married a long time ago. Now I've been for Bev Joe. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Bev Joe? <laughs> The Belladonna roared. A raven-haired Intoxabella with sky-high cheekbones and a sharp jawline appeared above the crowd. Bev Joe's power? 30 never. When Bev Joe ages to 29, she will begin her next year looking again like she is 17 until she reaches 29 again. The cycle will continue until she perishes. Oh my god. That's weird. A gray-haired woman on the ground made a face. She's so beautiful. She doesn't need it. Give me that power. It's wasted on her. What the fuck? Tell me about it, Mrs. De La Creme muttered, clutching the side of her precarious face. Yeah, Mrs. De La Creme, because you look like a goblin and it matches your insides yeah. quite well. Our fourth Intoxabella, Limora. The Smoky Mountain Swirl revealed a dark-haired Intoxabella with seductive narrow eyes. Her power, excite to buy. The ability to sell. Wait, so capitalism is just her power? I think so. Oh, man. She's really good at selling cars. 
Yeah, she she's just slaps. Car, she's a car salesman. Just slaps the roof of the car, and suddenly all ten are sold in the lot. She makes all the commission money. Everyone hates her. Limora made an inverted V with her hands and then thrust the point towards the spectators. She made the V over her vagina. Yes. <laughs> Tookie touched her hair, acutely conscious of how wild it was. Chevumal, Tookie suddenly said aloud, feeling like an alien invader had taken over her thoughts. I need it now. Beside her, Mrs. De La Creme patted her face. I should pick up some more wrinkle redux. And similarly, everyone around then murmured other names of skin products, clothing brands, and diet soft drinks that they suddenly craved. Why does that kind of... It kind of makes me think of... Um, I can't remember her name. Who? What's the name of the one character in Umbrella Academy where she... I've never even watched it. So. Okay, you've never even watched it. I can't remember her name suddenly, but she like... She activates her power with, I heard a rumor, and then she can, like, say anything to anyone and they'll do it. Oh. Um, that's, that's, what, that's what it makes me think of. <sighs> Gentlemen, get ready for our fifth in Toxabella. Meet Sindizi. The swirl unveiled a platinum blonde with hazel eyes whose body swayed in a hypnotic dance. Sindizi's smile was blinding and her censura undulated toward the crowd in a come-hither fashion. Her power, the Belladonna teased, seduction. Hey, maybe I like to see women be sexy, too. Seduction? Why only men, Tyra? Because it's very heteronormative. Why are you being so heteronormative? And just remember, this came out in 2011. That's fair. As Cindy's hair blew in the wind, all the men in the crowd stared. I'm ready to sin with Sindizi right here, right now, one of them yelled. It's the same guy who yelled that he could stop cheating. <laughs> but he's now talking about sinning with someone else. Everybody boo it again. And guys, remember, this is for uh, young adults. Yeah. Yeah. R6 and Toxabella. Katucha. What? Bless you. Said the Belladonna. A cocoa-skinned, large-eyed beauty with close-cropped hair spun in the air. Unlike the other Intoxabellas who wore the most fashionable couture, this Intoxabella wore an outrageously mismatched tattered blouse and skirt combination. Her power is six sense A remarkable supernatural sixth sense. Can she see ghosts? I think so. <gasps> Katusha can see into the future of fashion, which means this unusual outfit will be on your body next year. Oh, this is fucking boring. Oh, and did I mention that Katucha has enhanced sight, hearing, touch, taste, and smell? Is this just... This is more like you gave her, like, five extra powers. Oh, right. So she has, like, six powers, and then just the five others are enhanced. Wow, Tookie murmured. She wouldn't mind having all these powers. As Katucha faded back into the atmosphere, the Belladonna cleared her throat. Unfortunately, once again this year, Model Land has not produced the ultimate Intoxabella, a triple seven. A girl possessing all seven powers. While this is disappointing, it by no means should dull the adoration you give our newly or last newly ordained Intoxabella of the evening. Completing our presentation of this year's Model Land graduates is a girl who possesses the power of teleporting. Wow. 
it's it's called teleportaling. Oh, I'm sorry. Teleportaling, just it basically teleportation. It talks Bella with a pixie haircut and aqua eyes whirled into view. Her name is quite fitting, the Belladonna narrated Exodus. What? Tookie shot up. Exodus? Was that a sign? The sprightly Intoxabella fell backward into an immense hole that formed behind her and disappeared. Creamy! She banished, she, she banished right before our eyes! Miracle covered her mouth with both hands. She meant to say that. Y- yes. Then something rumbled a few feet away from Tookie. The ground split, making a jagged Z across the sidewalk. It widened and widened, making the earth rumble. Look out, a woman to Tookie's right yelled, Earthquake! The hole grew larger and larger. Everyone stepped away from it, fearing for their lives. Everyone except Tookie, who tiptoed closer to the edge. Out popped a human-sized exodus. The glorious creature posed triumphantly, then whipped her head around and locked eyes with Tookie and smiled. Hi there, what's your name? she asked. Tookie stared at her tongue-tied as usual. Miracle pushed in front of Tookie. Miracle de la creme, she screamed, assuming the Intoxabella was talking to her. You're so pretty. Then Exodus rose into the sky and flew back to the top of the mountain. Why did she just fucking teleport? Wait, can they all fly? I think so. Are they superheroes? What the fuck is happening? What is going on? I'll explain some things later. Reappearing seconds later in immense translucent form. The Belladonna's voice boomed through the sky once more. Every girl in the world has the power within her to become a 7-7. Seven, seven. Is it you? Hold on, wait. I want to try that with the hand claps, can I? Yeah. Every girl in the world has the power within her to become a 7 Is it you? It's a 7-7. Seven, seven. I don't fucking care. I, I didn't want to say that extra word. It's too much. Fireworks burst around the Intoxabellas. The crowd cheered wildly. Several people fainted! Oh my. <laughs> Toki suddenly caught a glimpse of Blue behind a bench. He was two feet clad in doctor's booties. She drew in a breath. Lizzie? Toki scampered over worriedly, not even bothering to tell her mother or Miracle where she was going, since they were transfixed by the spectacle in the sky. Lizzie was half hiding behind a bush, twitching wildly. Her eyes were rolling back into her head. Lizzie, Tookie cried, taking her friend's hand. What are you doing here? Normally, Lizzie didn't dare show her face in places so public or crowded. Lizzie just stared ahead into nothingness. Not at all, unlike Wingtip. Then she spoke in a drone. Tookie had never heard from her as if she was a medium at a seance. That's very specific. Very specific. They took her last night by her feet. The burning continued throughout the night. They cut open her blisters and poured liquid metal into her veins. Lizzie then raised the cuffs of her pants, which were dragging on the ground. Wow. Revealing feet that looked like they had been dipped in battery acid. With, with open sores that oozed pus. Woo. The area near her arches had a hundred little cuts ranged in straight lines. As if they were soldiers ready for battle. What the fuck? Lizzie, Tookie cried. She looked around frantically, hoping someone could help her. We have to get you to a hospital. 
Lizzie shook her head violently. No, I don't need a hospital. They'll kill me, but I do need you, Tookie. That's creepy. Mm -hmm. Tookie clutched Lizzie's hands. Need me for what? But Tookie knew what Lizzie meant. Exodus, Lizzie whispered oh so faintly. Tookie widened her eyes. A shiver went through her. When? Tomorrow, please. Tookie! Tookie turned at the sound of her mother's voice. Mrs. De La Crum was standing near the parked cars, looking annoyed. Tookie swallowed hard, then turned back to Lizzie, but she was nowhere to be seen. Is she a fucking ghost? Yeah, she's a ghost. Yeah. She's dead. Oh my god, Tookie whispered, running her hands down the length of her face. Fresh tears spilled down her cheeks. Lizzie had braved this crowded part of Metopia to find Tookie. How did she find her? Right? That's what I want to know. Does she have a tracking device on Tookie? I think so. Oh my. Whatever was happening to her must have been even scarier than her burns and scars themselves. It was dire, a life or painful death situation. Exodus. Lizzie was leaving, had to leave, and she needed Tookie to come with her. You all right? It was Wingtip. He stood behind Tookie, his face crumpled with sadness. The shoe was slung over his shoulder. Oh, Tookie exclaimed. She tried to wipe away her tears. Uh, I'm fine. Then she looked away, feeling awkward. It was so rare for her to speak to strangers. Usually, they didn't notice her. And her mother's warning rang in her head. What if there was something wrong with Wingtip? What if he was truly a dangerous man? What's got you so sad, little lady? Wingtip asked. That's creepy. Tookie shrugged. It's nothing. Really, I'm not supposed to look at you, let alone speak to you. He chuckled. Nothing I'm not used to. Why do you talk to yourself? Tookie blurted out, then clapped her hand over her mouth, fearing she'd been rude. Kind of. But Wingtip didn't look bothered. Little lady, when your world has been ripped right from under you, you tend to not trust much of what anybody says. Wow, what a mood. Anybody but yourself, that is. And I do a good job of keeping myself company. Okay, confession time, Tookie said. Sometimes I speak to myself, too, since nobody else does. I mean, we all talk to ourselves sometimes. Yeah. It'll stop you from going crazy, Wingtip chuckled. Crazy? Ha! My mother says you're crazy. Oh, does she now? Well, maybe you should listen to your mother. Nah, I think you're more sad than crazy. Smart little lady you are, the man fiddled with the laces of the shoe slung over his shoulder. I know why I'm a sad sap of a man, but why are you crying? Um, because it hurts. What hurts? Everything. Mood. <laughs> I can relate to that. Mood. Tookie pulled her bottom lip into her mouth and bit down hard to keep from exploding into more tears. Wingtip leaned forward and pointed at her. You've got more important things to do than hurt, little lady. You've got a beautiful light that only a few people can see shining brightly inside you. A light? Tookie repeated, hardly believing her ears. Perhaps he'd said plight instead, or blight. I feel like he says this to ten people every day. Oh, me too. <laughs> Wingtip leaned closer, offering a genuine smile. Go for your destiny, girl. Dream big. Take it from a sad and crazy man who talks to himself. Everyone's entitled to dream, you know, even you. Tookie looked away. Dreaming is dangerous, though. It just sets you up for disappointment. He gave her a shocked look. Who gave you that idea? 
Tookie ran her tongue over her teeth. My parents, she almost said. As more fireworks exploded into the sky, Wingtip sighed. Little lady, if you don't dream, you'll wind up not just talking to yourself, but, answer, but answering your own questions. Wearing last week's clothes and walking around with a shoe over your shoulder. Hey, some of us like to walk around with a shoe on our shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Stop fucking a, being a judgmental bitch. Stop judging me, Tyra. He rose, slung the shoe onto his back, and gave her a nod. I'll be seeing you. And then he slipped through the crowd, the old wingtip shoe bouncing against his back. Tookie watched him for a moment, awestruck. How dare you abandon us? Oh boy, it's Umbridge. Tookie turned around and saw her mother standing behind her, Miracle's jerk garment bag in her arms. You dropped Miracle's dress on the ground and the crowd traipsed all over it. What were you doing all the way over here? Tookie quickly scooped the bag from her mother's arms. I'm so sorry, Kakrimi. I was just... She gestured at the fervor around them searching for an excuse. It's just, um, hard not to get caught up in this. Mrs. De La Creme blinked hard at her. A cruel smile spread across her face. What does all this matter to a girl like you, Tookie? Tookie smiled. Normally she would have wilted, turned away, and told Creamy she was right, but it suddenly felt like she'd just put on a steely coat of armor. Exodus, she thought. Everyone's entitled to dream, you know, even you. You'd be surprised, Tookie said, emboldened, and then she turned away. Okay, so like... I know I keep bringing it up whenever we like get to certain points, and I keep comparing and contrasting with a handbook for mortals, and that's just because like it's the last thing we read. Yes, yeah, so it's going to be fresh in everybody's minds. It's going to be fresh in every. It's still fresh in my mind, so to speak. Unfortunately, to, like, compare and contrast. And the thing is, I'll probably be doing this with some of the next books that we have up. We might do Twilight after this. We might do. Uh, another book after this, and you know, we'll be like coming back in with the comparing and contrasting. Um, so far, again, it's like there's more happening in this book. Like, yeah, we're not at Model Land yet, and I know it's coming up, but it's like we're, there's more going on in this book than there was in Handbook for Mortals. Yeah, there's like actual questions that we have, and there's actual questions that we have that aren't just like stupid questions, like just some of the stupid shit and so forth and there's actual things happening that connect with one another there's an actual story going on that doesn't feel like it's disconnected there aren't like we actually have an an like an a thought on time framing going on here oh we know my it's just God. been a few days yeah it hasn't been like it, it months it's not like it's been months when it's like i don't know it's just like there's something concise about it we have the we have a lot of the characters. We know there's going to be more coming out along the way because it's like, it's only the beginning of the book. But literally, it's like, we're on page 76 and on chapter 7 where I think if we were reading Handbook, we'd only be on chapter 2. Oh my god. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. And <laughs> as I said, it's like there's nothing wrong with having shorter chapters. And the thing is with like shorter, all the chapters are contained, so to speak. Yeah. Like, we did have a few times where it, like, broke. Like, in the previous chapter, there was, like, it, it still fit because this was still in 
like the household where it went from like Tookie in her bedroom having that whole fantasy with Theophilus and then it cutting to like she's still in her home. She was sleepwalking and it comes in with her dad and this is her exploring basically her relationship with her dad and her Mm -hmm. sister. And it's like it's still like it's two different things happening, but it still connects with each other. It's not completely disjointed, like having the whole fucking chapter about like the club and then like the, you know, like the, the, the mini concert going on at that one club. That, where there were over 200 people oh, there. Oh, yeah, that shit was annoying. And then, like, suddenly, like, the chapter breaks, but then we're back at her apartment, and it's like, nothing connects. You could have done that whole thing as an entirely separate chapter. And it's like, why does it all matter when it's, like, all of the same book? And it's like, it matters because it's how it's formatted, and it's how it's, like, presented. Because, yes, we're reading this novel, and we're reading all of this, but it's like, when you're writing something or reading something you want all of it to like come together so to speak like in some books you have like different perspectives going on you want all of the perspectives to be in the same chapter because if you have this one chapter going on and you have like the perspective of this one character but then it suddenly flips to a different perspective you're like, confused you get confused and it just it it's all crunchy and not crunchy in the good way it's crunchy in the really weird bad way and you're just, like, wondering, what the fuck is this? And that's... And the, the the other thing is, like, that's where you can tell, like, at least Tyro worked with someone to write this. Yeah, this book is over 500 fucking pages. But it's, like, you can still tell, like, Tyra actually worked with someone to write it. There's, there's actual, like... There's actual word. There's words going on. There's big words being used. There's big words. There's, like, actual content. There's big words. There's content. There's descriptive. Like, yeah, some things are being overly descriptive. Like, suddenly the smell of blood oranges hit the air. And I'm like, the only reason why that's in there is because Tyra likes the smell of blood oranges. And she described... Okay. This is just some context for some of the stuff that's going on. Um, So... I mean, I kind of liked it. Like, the little addition to what it smells like, you know? Yeah, it's... It but put it, me there. It, it does make me feel like, oh, is she having a stroke? <laughs> but here's the thing, um... Here's... Okay, here's the thing where it, it feels weird to me, because, again, this is a book that's supposed to be for young adults. Um, Tyra actually had some tie-ins with her show America's Next Top Model, where there was literally a whole episode of where they modeled scenes from the book... A model land. Interesting. As a, kind of like a one of the competition things that they did. So, like the ones that we've read so far, they did Tookie looking through the trash can, and then they did uh, that one because, and then they did um, Creamy with Bellissima. Yeah. Uh, but the like I've only seen bits of it. I haven't seen the whole episode, but with um one of the models going through the trash can Tyra and whoever her like other person she was I can't remember their names but they were like commenting on it and they were saying like she's like pulling it off is too comical and like the situation in itself is pretty comical because she's looking through a trash can for a pen it says took and it's like this it's like the way I think Tyra wants it all to be presented as is something serious but it's like, I can't take this book seriously. I can't either. I can't. It's like, if I took it seriously, then I would be like, 
bashing it like I did with Handbook for Mortals. Say, okay. Say, then we'll be married in the month of May. 